Let's continue on to look at the Birkat Kohanim. And really what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at this top portion. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. The Lord bless you and keep you. <clears throat> something we've talked about that we need to desire, something that even we talked about last week that we really need to believe. But this week... I want to talk about how these terms working together, the Lord blessing you and keeping you, how this should be impacting your life to give you some real perspective so that you can understand the power. You need to understand the power that you will have if you possess this blessing, the implications, the benefits, the beauty of it. And so we're going to do that today and how we're going to do that, or at least begin to do this is we're going to go to the 22nd chapter of the book of Numbers, and we're going to look at the story of Balaam and Balak. You know, if we're going to talk about the blessing, I can't not go to the story of Balaam and Balak. And, and this is a story I can tell you that I cover it at least a couple times every year at some point, because there's always something I'm drawing from it, because it, this is one of those stories in Torah you can't get away from. And more now than ever, I'm going to tell you, it is tangible. This is a tangible story. Uh, there are so many things within this story that we need to possess, that we need to appreciate, but especially in context of what we read in regard to the Lord blessing and keeping us. Now, that being said, the story actually begins with Balak, the king of Moab. He calls Balaam. To come to him. Now, now, the backdrop here is interesting. Balaam, you know, the scholars estimate Balaam's some 400 miles away. And at that time, you know, he is literally on the other ends of the earth. But Balaam's the only guy that can solve Balak's problem. Balak's problem is, is he's got Israel coming in. He sees this nation coming and he is terrified and he knows in the flesh. Balak's looking at his army. Here's my army. Here's Israel. I don't stand a chance. They're going to take us out. It is hopeless. Now pay close attention because Balak does something. Balak knows in the flesh he doesn't stand a chance, so he goes into the spirit realm. He calls a witch. He calls a warlock. He calls a diviner. He calls Balaam the diviner. Now Balaam's an interesting character because He's one of the guys, scripturally speaking, that is attested to outside of the Bible. In fact, it's one of the oldest uh, texts that we have. The oldest inscriptions that we have today is known as the Dear Allah inscription. And it's absolutely fascinating because all it talks about is Balaam, the son of Beor. But it is not a Christian text. It's not a Hebrew text, not a Jewish text, not anything like that. This is a secular text. And within the Dear Allah text... It talks about how Balaam is this great prophet of the gods. And I say gods, little g, plural. All these gods like Ishtar and, and, and Shagar are mentioned. El, all these different gods are mentioned. And so this guy, before we even continue in the story, one thing that you need to appreciate about him is Balaam is the one guy in the world at the time that Balak sees can solve his problem because of his power. He knows that whomever Balaam blesses is blessed, and whomever he curses, when he speaks a curse over a human being, that person's plagued. They receive a plague. 
There is a difference, people, between wannabes and people that walk in power. And this includes both sides of the aisle. I've seen Christians, many Christians claiming to be Christians, they have absolutely zero power. There is zero spirit, Holy Spirit in their lives. They don't walk in the power of God. They don't know it. Those are wannabes. They're pretenders. They're imposters. The dark side has the same thing. The dark side has a bunch of wannabes. They want to flip a bunch of tarot cards. Some of these people want to flip tarot cards so that they can get paid. They want money. And yet, I will tell you, there are witches and warlocks that operate in scary power. And these people are devoted to doing what Balaam wants done. Or what Balak is calling to have be done. To start cursing, putting curses on God's people. You have got to appreciate what this story is telling us and the context of Balaam and who he is to really walk away that you understand the power of God's blessing. And so here's the deal. Balak, he calls Balaam, come and curse these people. I know whomever you curse, they're going to be cursed. So, so come to me and, and do this. He sends delegates. Okay? Well, he tells the delegates, he says, hold off. Stay here for the night. I'm going I'm to see what the Lord says. Let's see what God says about this. Well, God comes to him in the night. And this is what we read. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people. Now, let me preface what I'm about to say with this. I am not here to glorify, to magnify, or to elevate in any way Balaam, the son of Beor, in his great power. But what I am here to do is to show you that the powers of darkness are real and they are a real threat. There is real power. And this is proof positive. Balak's already told us, he already knows, man, this guy, when he curses someone, I don't care how far across the world he is, I need him to come here because he operates in power. He'll curse them and they're cursed. You want proof of that? Read the screen. God himself is intervening. Now think about this for a second. If this guy is irrelevant, if this guy is a wannabe, he's a pretender, trust me when I say God has no business getting, he's not going to get involved. He doesn't, it doesn't matter. Especially to a prophet that is a prophet to many gods. You really think God's going to get involved in this guy's life? No, God is getting involved because the threat is real and he is the defender of Israel. And now God's coming to the scene. So this tells us so much. And his, his commission here is, don't you dare. Don't you dare curse my people. My question is, why? Why not? He tells us, because they're blessed. Does this put this priestly blessing into context for you? This guy, filled with all this power to come... And start cursing people and they start getting cursed. He can't do anything because they have the blessing. See, that makes to me, when, when I start reading the Birkat Kohanim, the, the priestly blessing that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that is power. This is on a whole different level. And, you, you know, you want motivation to yearn for this? This is it. This will give you some serious motivation. To put this into further perspective... I want to play just a brief clip 
How many of you heard of John Ramirez? I want to play a brief clip of John Ramirez because this is going to put Balaam into context so you can appreciate this situation and this story of what Balak is seeking to do. Check this out. I will go to Dimitri from 7 in the evening to 5 in the morning, being trained by witches and warlocks, colors, principal <clears throat> rights. Who owns this region? Who's in this region? Who's running this principality? What principality name is this? I, 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 how to channel powers. At the age of 13 years old, I was astral projecting my body. I would leave my body home and go to regions and go into the spirit and curse docile, curse neighborhoods, curse, put spirit of prostitution, spirit of drugs into the neighborhood, homosexual spirits here, demonic spirit here, spirit of murder, spirit of suicide. I know how to channel all the spirits into the neighborhood. At the age of 15, 16 years old, I was going into hospitals and putting death in ICU, death in one room so this person can die because I wanted to be promoted with the devil to move up that ranks to be the biggest devil worshiper in New York City. The devil became my daddy. He replaced my dad because I prayed and I said, you killed my dad. At the age of 33 years old, my dad got shot in a nightclub in the face for a woman that wasn't even his when he had to go woman home. And the devil took him out. The devil said, I replaced the old to keep the new. And the devil became my daddy. And I moved up the ranks from devil worshiping. I moved up the ranks. I moved up with principalities and demons to the point that I was able to sit with the devil like I'm sitting with you today. And the devil manifests himself in human form. He or the president will come into the room and I will speak to the devil all night long and he will give me assignments. I will go to five clubs or five lounges a night to look for people to recruit to the dark side. I will tell people their fortune. I will tell people their lives. I will tell people things that they did, things that was going to happen to them, that then they had no clue who I was. They didn't know who I was. I just had the demonic powers. I had a taste for blood. I would, I would kill animals and drink the blood every week. I will, if I didn't have money to, if I didn't have time to buy an animal, I will cut myself and drink my own blood. The ring of, of, of the people that I was with that was in this demonic world, doctors, lawyers, uh, principals, judges, police officers, they were all into witchcraft. There was all, even singers today that are very well known. I put them, I, I would move principalities from that region to control all demons on the ground to operate, to, church, to cut down the church, to cut down the, the, the growth of the church to cut down the, 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 the opportunity for people to get saved. If I tell you I was going to kill you in 30 days, you prepare your funeral, you was going to die in 30 days. If, if you, I don't care who you were, I don't care who you knew, I don't care what you, you call yourself, if you were Catholic and you say you were Christian and you say you were a believer, I was going to kill you unless you had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So when the lady came to my house, I said, I'm going to charge you $10,000, I told her, to kill the lady. She said, sure. She said, i tell you what, I know you, you've been good to me, I go to your house parties. Give me $7,000. I'll give you 30% off. I said, I'll kill her. I give me 30%. I take 30% off the 10. Give me, give me 7,000. So when the lady was going to leave my house, she said, by the way, she's a, she's a Christian. She said, the lady's a Christian. I said, I'll kill her for free. I said, I don't need the money. I said, I'm going to kill her for free. I'm going to teach these Christians a lesson that they're never going to learn. I'll kill her for free. I told her, I don't want your money. I'll kill her for free. So I did the voodoo thing. I did the, the witchcraft thing. And 21 days went by. The lady didn't die. Uh, 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 a month went by, a lady didn't die, and, and I was like, wow, you know, what's going on? I mean, my reputation's online. So I called the devil, I called the demons, I was signed. I, I increased the, the witchcraft. I increased the witchcraft. To, I doubled the witchcraft on it so she can die, like, overnight. Nothing was going on, nothing was going on. I was home at night, and the devil shows up. And I feel the presence that the devil comes into my house. And then uh, the devil told me, we have to abort the plan that the lady that you want to kill. And I said, why would we want to bought the plan? My reputation is lying. I'm a witch. I'm a, I'm a warlock. If I don't kill the lady, they're going to think that I don't have any powers. The devil said, you don't, you don't understand. 
the God that she served said, don't leave her, leave her alone. Don't touch her. And I said, who's this God? She said, the God that she serves. So I, 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 I was so angry. I was so, I said, no, but let's get one more week. Let's kill her. And he said, no, the God that she serves said, leave her alone. From the, the witchcraft that I did to the lady, she should have been dead in less than 21 days. And I was the third person that received that book. And I would take symbols from that book and do witchcraft to people and put people in, and, and uh, make people lose their mind. I put witchcraft on people, make people get diseases out of nowhere. I put witchcraft on people, make people get leprosy. I put witchcraft on people, make people get cancer. I mean, I did witchcraft to people. I gave people miscarriages. I gave people abortions. I gave people, I put people in hospital for, for, not, for surgeries that didn't even have to go surgeries. I did witchcraft so people can lose their minds. I, I put spirits of, of, of bipolar, schizophrenia. I put spirits of, 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 of disease on people. I put suicide spirits on people. I'd be up all night long praying and talking to the devil. When Christians can't even go to church for one, year, for one hour. When Christians can't even pray for one hour. The spirit realm is, so, is more real than the natural realm. And, and we fail to see that. And whatever is not covered with Jesus Christ is an easy target to bring down. I remember the time that Nikki Cruz came to, uh, Nikki Cruz group came into my neighborhood and uh, it's called Truce. They would come and do drive-bys in my neighborhood. They would do like worship and then they would preach a word and go to another corner and do the same thing. And I, I came after this group to try to put, a, to try to bring them down, this group. And they were young kids. They were like 18, 17, 16, 20. I mean, so I said, how did they play this junk, this filthy music in my neighborhood with today we call worship. This filthy music in my neighborhood. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to destroy these kids. So when I went up to, when I went up to, uh, when I, when I went up to, uh, where they were at, there was a wall of fire around them. I couldn't penetrate and touch them. And it was something pushed me back. Every time I tried to throw demonic forces again, there was something that would just push me back. And I was able to touch these kids. And I said, there was something here. It's, it's not right. Something is not falling into place. So I walked away and I left them alone. I didn't want to deal with them. I said, okay, you know, they won, the, they won this first round. Yeah. That's the real world. That's the world we're talking about right now with Balaam and Balak. And that's the whole intent. And this is where Balaam is. He has these powers. And it's amazing. As you continue, we're just going to jump ahead quick and we'll go back. But listen to what Numbers 23, 23 says. There is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It can't happen. It doesn't matter how much witchcraft, doesn't matter how much, if you increase the witchcraft more and more and more, it isn't going to do any good if you got the blessing. If you have the blessing, it isn't going to matter. I just watched, this was probably a month ago, the Washington, D.C. had a gathering of Christians that came together to do a good thing and to pray for repentance and to pray for this nation. And a Satan has dumped a bucket of blood on a pastor. The whole concept of this is to curse him. I, I, here's the deal. He's already covered in the blood. Isn't going to do any good. He's already been covered in the blood. But it doesn't mean they're not going to try. Do you understand how real this is? They're up. Did you, you listen to this accent? And there are, there are several that I could bring to the table. Well, I've gotten their testimonies over the years of ex-Satanists, and you know, there is no better thing for them to do than to come against those who call upon the name of Jesus. You're a target. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will be sniffed out. You will be sniffed out whether you truly have a relationship with the Lord or not, because if you don't, it's going to be open season on you. That's what's going to happen. 
So you want some motivation to possess this blessing, you need to get motivated. Because the powers of darkness in this country, we are seeing a move at a level you have never seen move before in the history of this nation. Right now. Now it continues on. And says in this passage, It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. And I love this because it's not Israel out here puffing up its chest. This is not the comment. Look at how powerful we are. In comparison to everyone else, this isn't what's happening. All the glory, all the honor gets focused where it should be. Look at what God has done. God has done this for us. What has God done? What has God done? Peter tells us, Acts chapter 3, verse 25. You are sons of the Naveen and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, In your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then continues... And to you first, God, having raised up his servant, Yeshua, sent him to bless you. Who is the blessing? It is Yeshua. How do we obtain the blessing? It is Yeshua. That's why I don't care how many ways you look at the Birkat Kohanim. You can look at it from every angle, on top and on bottom. You can peel layer after layer back, and all you're going to find is Yeshua. The power of Yeshua, the glory of Yeshua, that the blessing, it comes through him. And he is the one that will defend us. He is that one. And you're going to see that as we continue on in our story. Now, here we're at it right now with Balak sending messengers to Balaam. Hey, come and curse Israel for us. Balaam doesn't do it because God said you, they're blessed. You can't curse them. Balak doesn't give up and neither does the devil. Balak doesn't give up. What he does is he sends more messengers and more princes that are even more glorious in honor. And then he adds this, Balaam, whatever you want, it's yours. I will make it happen. Just say it. Just come and curse these people. These people need to be cursed. So Balaam tells these New messengers that came back the second time, the same thing he told the first messengers, stay here and let me go see what the Lord is going to say. At which point, Balaam, he goes to the Lord and the Lord tells him something very specific. And I didn't put it up here, so forgive me. But you need to listen closely because it, it makes a difference. God tells Balaam, say, listen, if the men come to call you, then go with them. Balaam, taking those words, the text reads literally, he woke up that morning, saddles donkey, and went with him. That's different than them coming to call him. Balaam didn't listen. He didn't listen. He took, you know, it's just like, you know, somebody says something to you and you hear something else. This is the proverbial issue in marriage, right? <laughs> My wife says something clear, but maybe I didn't hear it. Anyways. This is the situation. So Balaam, he saddles up his donkey, he makes his, he's going to Balak. And the whole purpose of Balak to curse Israel. This is where we pick it up in verse 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. I want you to understand the power of the blessing and the keeping of the Lord. When any principality, power, or man, or woman rises up, to go with the mission to come and curse 
Yeshua's servants, notice the response. The response is, God is moved to wrath. He is angry. I challenge you, mothers and, and mama bears in here, if somebody comes against one of your children to harm them, you are going to go mama bear. There is going to be a problem. Fathers are going to get angry because some evil is going to be committed against their child. Why do we think it's different with the Most High God? With our Father in Heaven. When evil moves against us, you better believe he takes notice. And he is angry. And then it goes on and says this. It gets specific. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Not only is he angry, but that person who just moved against you to do evil has now made Yeshua his adversary. So because the person that's being talking about in, in this story, this angel of the Lord, this is Yeshua. This is the same angel that Jacob would not let go unless he blessed him. This is the very same angel that ascended literally in the sacrifice of Manoah and his wife that were offering it to God. This is the angel. This is the angel that actually as, as, that was leading Israel or out of Egypt. And he brings him to the Red Sea. This is the angel that went around back of Israel and stood in between Israel and the Egyptians. So that the Egyptian armies could not harm Israel. It is Yeshua. I want to be very clear. It's a Christophany. We see this all over the place in the Torah happening. And even outside the Torah. Where Christ makes this appearance. Who did Abraham have lunch with? In Genesis 18. It was Yeshua. And just to put this to rest. As we continue and we look at this. You're going to see this unequivocally. All right. So we have Balaam making his way finally to Balak uh, because uh, the Lord has moved to stand in his way. He, things don't go well. He's on his donkey making his way to Balak and his donkey starts to act crazy. Right. The donkey just veers off into a field off the path. Now, keep in mind, this is not behavior that the donkey has ever displayed. So Balaam is angry and beats his donkey, okay? And, but here's the reality. The reason the donkey is acting crazy is because the angel of the Lord is standing against Balaam. Balaam's totally blind to it. Do you know that? Balaam doesn't see what is happening, but a donkey can see. I mean, you want to talk about being humiliated. And this is the reality. And so then again, the donkey gets back on the path, starts going down. But then at some point, it crushes Balaam's leg because the donkey sees the angel again. And, and, and here's the deal. When the, when the angel stands against you as an adversary, it's for war. This angel has his sword drawn. And the donkey knows, if I just keep going, we're going to die. And so a third time, he sees. But the donkey can't move this time. He can't move to the left or the right, so the donkey just drops down. And that's when Balaam absolutely loses it. He's frustrated. He beats his donkey. And then the Lord opens the donkey's mouth. It's absolutely, he's, Balaam is conversing with the donkey. You would think at that point, there's a red flag. <laughs> right? He starts conversing with the donkey. If I had a sword, I had it killed you now. And the, the, the donkey responds, well, hold on a second. Have you ever known me to be disposed to do something like this? Any of this stuff? And his answer was no. At which time, 
we read the following. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Now Balaam's eyes are open to the spiritual realm. Now, let me, let me add something here that, you know, again, the, the broader context for us today and, and being tangible. Do you know this whole exchange between Balaam and Balak, between the angel of the Lord and Balak, all of this stuff, Israel has no clue what's going on. Something is happening behind the veil. The enemy is moving, wanting to curse Israel, and they see none of it. They're not aware of any of it. It's just like last week we looked at Job. No clue that Satan is moving against Job, inciting the Lord. Listen to me. Every waking moment, you can rest assured the enemy is scheming against you. He is scheming. He is moving against you. And you cannot afford to let go of Yeshua. You cannot afford. It, 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 you will be exposed the moment you let go. That's why Jacob wouldn't let go until you bless me. The moment you let go, the host of hell is going to be on you like rabid dogs. That's why you got to keep, you, you may not see this thing. And this is the thing is you get caught up in your eyes of flesh and everything's fine. And it gives you a feeling of comfort that I can go ahead and do X, Y, Z. Even though I'm compromising my faith, you can't do it. Verse, moving on to verse 32. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. One of which primary reasons is, is you, you're going to go to curse my people? Are you serious? He goes on. He says, the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. This is the humiliation part. He's only alive because of a donkey. A dumb donkey that had more insight than he himself had. Verse 34. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Well, no kidding. The angel of the Lord with the sword drawn. A dumb moment. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men. Oh, I like this. But only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now, here's the deal. The whole mission is Balak coming to call Balaam so that he can do what he has done before in his power. And that is to curse Israel. Only Yeshua has stepped in and he has other plans. He's literally going to turn the curse into a blessing. That's what's going to happen. And that's how Yeshua works in our lives. Has not Yeshua redeemed us from the curse Right? When he steps in, we're redeemed from the curse. This is just an amazing story. Now, moving on. Uh, Balaam, he reaches Balak. And he tells Balak, hey, Balak, you need to build seven altars. We're gonna, I want you to sacrifice a bull and a ram on each altar. All right? Stand by the altars. I will retreat to a secluded place. And I will see. I will get instructions from the Lord. At which point, 
We pick it up here. And God met Balaam and said to him, I have prepared the seven altars and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Okay, so here's the deal. Balaam tells he's updating the Lord on what's going on. But the reason I have this specific part highlighted is that God met Balaam is that when you go to the Targums, you find out exactly who Balaam is communicating to. And this goes back to, you know, me telling you who the angel of the Lord is. This is established in the Targum. Now check this out. This is what the Targum says. And the word from before the Lord met Balaam. The word. Now again, in the Targums, when you get in the Targums, this is known as the Memra. In Hebrew, it would be Devar. In Greek, it's Lagos. It's all the word. So when you, you look at the Targum, the, the, the fascinating thing about the Targums is they personify Memra. They personify the word. They don't just see it as a descriptor as, you know, I'm speaking a word. No, they personify it as a person. A good example is Genesis 28, 20, and 21. When Jacob says, hey, if the Lord my God brings me back to the land and gives me food to eat and clothes to put on, then the Lord shall be my God. That's how it reads in your Bibles. Go to the Targum and it says, Jacob says, then the word of the Lord will be my God. That's very different. And that is really fascinating when you consider John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Memra, the Word, and the Word was made, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then the Word, going down to verse 14, the Word was made flesh. The Memra, the Lagos, the Devar, it was made flesh. See, this is inherent in the first century of recognizing something extremely Jewish, a Jewish concept of the Memra, the Word. And so we know the one coming in here and intercepting and defending Israel is the Mashiach. It's the Messiah, Yeshua. 23, verse 5. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he returned to them, and there he was, standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab, verse 7. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me. And come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Oh, this gets better when you go to the Targum again. This very passage, but in the Targum, reads as follows. How shall I curse while, oh, the word of the Lord blesses them. And whom shall I diminish when the word of the Lord increases them? All blessing comes from Yeshua. All power, all protection. He is the star. He's the star of the Birkat Kohanim. No matter how you look at it. And so this is him. His boots are on the ground. He always has been the defender of Israel. Always. Now, jumping ahead to verse 18... In Numbers chapter 23, we're, we're gonna, uh, Balaam's going to lift up his oracle yet once again. Then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Again, I remind you, when you look at the Birkat Kohanim, you have... One of two decisions, you can either believe it, that it's true, or you don't believe it. 
But take heed to what is said here. Has, God is not a man that he should lie. So when God says that he's going to bless you and keep you, do you believe it? Is it true in your life? Well, your decisions will bear that out, whether you believe it or not. Has he said, will he not do? The Lord will bless you and keep you. This is what we need. And I'm going to tell you right now, we need this in this generation. So when the blessing of the Lord comes upon you, you become invincible. You become indestructible. You become unbreakable. And this is what the church needs. We need the blessing. We need Yeshua. Now, verse 20. Behold, I've received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. You have this unbelievable, one of the most powerful men walking on planet earth at the time, Balaam. He could just speak curses and blessings over people. And it happens. A man of great power coming and saying, I can't do anything. I have no power in comparison to God. God has blessed. That's where their protection lied. Israel's protection was in the blessing. We need the blessing. I can't emphasize it enough. We need the blessing. Let me, I love how Yeshua puts this in a picture frame in an amazing way. Listen to his words. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Where did we go here? There we go. No one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And to you, I say, welcome to the blessing. You know, when you understand the Birkat Kohanim, what it means to be blessed by God, it is Yeshua holding you. He is holding you. The Father is holding you in his arms with his hands. No one can take you out of his arms. No one can take you out of, your, out of Yeshua's hands. Is that not a, a, a faith builder, mountain mover moment for you? This builds faith, this builds strength, this builds confidence for you to be able to deal with what is coming. We need this. We need to understand the reality of this. Look at what Paul says. Now we can go to Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Mashiach? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, peril, or sword? I look at every one of these descriptors, and they're coming upon this nation right now. You will see tribulation. You will and may already are seeing distress. There is persecution coming. Famine is coming. Nakedness, peril, and sword. And how does Paul start this out? So, man, we need these words today. Who can separate you from the love? Who's going to take you out of the hands of Yeshua? Your defender. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like a blessing to me. I mean, you're talking tribulation and persecution, and the sword, I, I, that kind of seems the antithesis to blessing and keeping. I thought the Lord was supposed to keep me. It goes, understand something. This is the problem. When you get one-dimensional Christianity, where Christians are only looking at, when, when they hear the term blessing, they're thinking bigger car, bigger house, bigger bank account, better clothes, Everything that's materialistic, that's somehow now 
is that's the blessing we're talking about. Yeshua says in, in uh, Matthew 10, 28, do not fear him who can kill the body, the flesh, but not the soul. They can't take it. No one can take that. So when we're reading the Birkat Kohanim, oh, it transcends just the physical. We're talking about eternal life. Do you understand that? That is critically important. That is not to say that God doesn't bless with the physical because I know the food that I have, that I ate this morning, is a blessing from God. I know the heat that is in my house right now, it's cold out. That is only due to God's mercy and his blessing. Yes, God blesses in the physical realm. There's no question about it. But the Birkat Kohanim, his blessing, Yeshua, the Messiah Yeshua, and what Yeshua died for is not simply for the physical realm or your physical body. It's for your soul. So when he says, I will bless you and I will keep you, we're talking eternal life. This transcends the physical realm. Amazing. Verse 36, Paul goes on. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. How is that keeping? How is that blessing? You got to understand it. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul recognizing the love and, and the fact that Yeshua holds him in his hands. And the fa- he is in the Father's hands. They, he, he recognizes the love. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is the Messiah, Yeshua, our Lord. And this is exactly what Balaam is witnessing firsthand. When Yeshua comes out against them, he says, you're not touching my children. You're not touching my elect. These are mine. You have no access to this. So when the demonic host of wickedness move against you, when you have the blessing, when you have the Messiah Yeshua, they can double, triple, quadruple, they can spend all the days fasting and praying to the devil to try to curse you. And it isn't going to matter because you have the blood of Yeshua. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. It won't happen. Let me jump to Psalm 3, verse 6. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken their teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Your blessing is upon your people. Now you ask, are you the Lord's people? Are you walking worthy of the gospel of the Messiah, Yeshua? Psalm 121. Uh, Okay, this is backwards. Okay, we'll go with it. Psalm 121, verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel. He who keeps. Okay, again, the Birkat Kohanim. He will bless you and keep you. And this is the same Hebrew word. In Hebrew, it's shamar. The word means to keep, it means to guard, it means to protect, preserve, defend. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I like this, that the Lord neither slumbers nor sleep, meaning 
No matter what time of the day, no matter where you're at, he is aware. If he has the number of your hairs counted, if he has your tears in a bottle, there's not a moment he is not with you. That's what it means when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't take time off. Now, you need this because, see, when you get in the valley of the shadow of death and you get into that tribulation, the enemy's going to tell you right at that moment, well, God's no longer with you. Oh, that's an opportune moment to absolutely take you out. Because he's coming after your faith. He's coming to destroy your faith so that you don't have it. As you're facing these trials and tribulations, now God doesn't love me. Your faith is getting ripped apart and all your armor's coming off. You have no shield. He knows what he is doing. The adversary is far too clever. Now we can go to verse 7. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil and he shall preserve your soul. It's the same Hebrew word. It's shemar. He will keep you. You have to trust him when you're in the valley of the shadow. You have to trust in the birkat koning. You have to, has God not said and will he not do? Trust him in those moments. What we are going to see in this country coming very soon, you have to trust him. You have to trust in him. Isaiah 27 verse 2, In that day sing to her a vineyard of red wine, I the Lord keep it. And the vineyard is just a metaphor, Old Testament, New Testament for Israel. The Lord keeps it. And then he says, I water it, look at this, every moment. Now you think of Mayim Chaim. The kind of watering that the Lord does is the very watering that Yeshua talks to the Samaritan woman at the well. You drink this water, you'll never die. You will never thirst again. He waters it every moment. Again, you know, this goes into John 14 and this beautiful new covenant that he would send his Holy Spirit to us to dwell within us. He'd be close to us. He'd be inside and inside our hearts. Never leaving, never forsaking. Lest any hurt it, I keep it night and day. I keep it night and day. Again, going, God doesn't take time off here, right? Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How does that happen? It's through Yeshua. It's through him. In him, uh, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So if we have him, what do we have? We have blessing. That's what we have. There's one more passage I want to share with you today. And it's something that Yeshua says in the gospel. And actually, it's the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted against us. And then he closes the prayer. And this is what Yeshua says in the closing. And do not lead us into temptation. What? Deliver us. In other words, keep us. Shamar, defend us. Keep us. Protect us. Keep us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This is how he ends the prayer. Now, this is what's amazing to me is that he is teaching us how to pray and he is asking us, we are supposed to be participating in this prayer. Keep us. So you think of the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. Yeshua is telling you, you pray for that. 
You know what blows my mind? It's kind of over the top. There's an emphasis here. I see the Birkat Kohanim. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You have, you have the priest coming up and putting the blessing on the people, the people hearing it. But then you have Yeshua commanding it that you personally are to be going home. Lord, keep me. Keep me from the evil one. If that weren't enough, then you can go to John 17. And what do you find? Well, in John 17, he says, Yeshua is praying. It's an intercessory prayer. And he says, Lord, I pray that you do not take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. The exact same thing. So, so put it all together. So here you have Yeshua in interceding on our behalf, and he is praying, keep us from the evil one. Yeshua commanding that we pray that very thing, keep us from the evil one, and the priest going out, saying the prayer and blessing over the people, keep us from the evil one. We'll bless you and keep you. 